Hi friends, and welcome to a very exciting edition on this Monday morning of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. We've had a game, there's been a signing, but most excitingly of all friends, today we're going to crown a new king. It's been a long wait, that's going to happen today. I'm Mark Heath, I'm your host, Stuart Watson Roscoe, also with me. That's my wife keeps reminding me, no one cares about you, you're not important. The main thing that's happening today the main man of importance is about to be introduced now. The new king on this Kings of Anglia show, Alex Jones. And here he is. Alex, what are your words as, as the new king? Thank you for welcoming me to the throne room. <laughs> throne room of the Kings of Anglia. If you're, if you're watching on video, you'll see that Alex has created something of a kind of quite coronation style little surrounding for himself. You've got... What is that? Is that some sort of? We've got a little bit like, of sort of wicker. Yes, it's a wicker screen that we put up because the thoughts are uh, mainly is that it looks very royal. And while Berry Cathedral was uh, a little bit of a push <laughs> for the coronation, we were kind of thinking that the mirror also shining onto all the stuff I have on this table here probably wouldn't be the best look for a debut podcast. So um, a little bit of both, to be honest. Hmm. So I, I think the main thing is that it looks really perfect for a coronation. I like it. I mean, it's the first time that anyone's created their own backdrop. That's already an upgrade on, on Hutchman. So uh, welcome to the team, Alex. You covered your first game on Friday night. We're obviously going to talk about that in due course. But let's um, let's get to know you a bit first, shall we? So Alex Jones spent last season actually covering the championship, mm-hmm. which, is a, which is a big draw for, for us in appointing you. You know the league that Town are going to be playing in probably better than all of us. Uh, next season um how how was that experience covering Millwall in the championship yeah uh, Millwall was the first team that I kind of covered as a first proper job I'd done a little bit kind of before then doing mm. uh, coverage with Cambridge United in League One so I've seen uh, some of Ipswich's experiences down there as well from the two meetings that they had before uh, I moved on to cover Millwall Millwall is um an interesting club to cover is the best way. <laughs> I do. But it's you get a little bit of everything in there for sure, um, and you definitely get kind of the clash of styles with more mm. than anything. Because I mean, I'm pretty sure for everyone that remembers kind of Millwall before Town dropped to League One, it's four four two, hoof it to the big man. A little bit less so at the moment, but um, I think I was talking to Stu on Friday saying that there's, there's kind of a different league now where there's a lot more kind of footballing teams Yeah, this league, and I think that that's um, something that kind of plays an interesting part in all of it, but it's an amazing league, and I think it's a, a totally different one going into this season, that's for sure. Yeah. So, um, an interesting transition, kind of crossing the divide in the championship. It feels a little bit of a strange way. It feels like I've put in like a transfer request and ended up here. It's kind of like a, it feels like a whole move kind of going to uh, league rivals in a bit. Yeah. We've done, we've done almost as much summer business as town by adding you, Alex. Um, mm. You're our, you're our striker. You're our, our mythical 20 goal a season striker we brought in. Um, Stewie, how does it feel to have a new, a new King sat next to you at, uh, at games? It's good. Yeah. It was nice. Uh, nice okay. to, to find oh, what's that someone's alexa going off in the background <laughs> it's good to, to finally be uh back in a press box alongside alex on uh on friday nice sunny day our first press box experience was the uh the sweat box at needham market it's like a little sort of porter cabin on stilts on the halfway line perspex glass to to look through it wasn't um it was a hot day to be in that very hot day but uh we survived We'll get through it. Uh, and Rossi, although obviously clearly this is Alex's first appearance as a king on the KOA podcast, this is not his first appearance mm-hmm. on our content because you, my friend, out scouting the talent, um, you you included him on a, a pre-match lowdown, didn't you? A few years ago for when they played Cambridge. Yeah, I think it was the when maybe the away fixture, Alex. I think it was. Yeah, when we um because that was a two-two draw that day. But yeah. I was scouting, looking out for some Cambridge reporters, and Alex was one of them. And um, yeah, we, we had a little joke when when you told me Alex was got the job. Um, I spoke to Alex, and uh, it's like, think how you know, two years ago we spoke, and never thought this would happen. So yeah, you to the commission, team, Ross. You said I want, I need commission. I need a finder's yeah. fee. And I said, get back in your box, son. Um, yeah. So Alex, you covered Cambridge United. You covered Millwall. I think you've also, and I'm 
I vaguely remember you telling me this in the interview. You've also covered some town before, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you were there the night that McCarthy stormed out. Yes, that was, um, I actually ended up uh, just popping along because it was a local game down the road. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I was at the Barnsley game, uh, wasn't it? That one, and that was a um, an interesting night all around, a bit of just, oh, God. It was just a nothingness game, I feel. And then <laughs> we had all the drama that came around it and all the Barry Cotter stuff. Of course, yeah. and pod in so many ways. And um, I, I just feel, yeah, that... I've had kind of a few introductions to Ipswich overall because, I mean, I think the first time I ended up going to see Town would have been when I was about 12 or 13. I ended up being taken by my granddad, who's very keen, you know, you go and you sit in hospitality. And I was like, okay, cool. Me as, like, 13-year-old just kind of went along with it. So at that yeah. point, in fairness, I wasn't actually that into football at that point. Uh, and I ended up going twice, both games against Huddersfield Town, both draws. Um, I think the memorable one would have been where uh, Town went 2-0 up, and then I think Narky Wells scored twice to make it 2-all at Portman Road. Um, and, you know, draws against... Huddersfield Town are really what give you the the kind of the passion for this kind of job, and that was ultimately kind of what hooked me in. I've done a bit of uh, covering it when I was um, East Anglian football editor at Prost International, so I've been to a couple of games. Um, I don't even remember the Portsmouth game behind closed doors. I honestly yeah, that was the near Christmas time, wasn't it? Was yes, lose two nil. Yes, two nil. Yeah. Freezing cold. There are a couple of others that I've been to. I think there was a pre-season match against Crystal Palace off the top of my head, uh, which would have been last season, I think. Last pre-season. Mm. Yep. So um, a few that I've been around to, so uh, I'm familiar with my surroundings, definitely. That Barnsley night was fun, wasn't it, Stu? Like, the night that Mick slammed the table and walked out. Yeah. Sometimes I listen, that pops up on feeds sometimes. We listen back to the audio of that night and you can just hear me going, Mick, Mick, can you tell us a bit more about that? As he, <laughs> not my finest hour, as he stormed out. I think that's still the most listened thing that we've ever put on this channel. Um, McCarthy storming out ahead of everything else that we've done, which is a, a sobering thought, isn't it, boys? Um, anyway, now we need to get to the official crowning, Alex. Uh, and you've got... Now, listen, obviously I bigged up Potentially, Tilbury Cathedral. I went to them. I said, "Look, got a new king. How much to do a coronation at, at Saint Cathedral?" They said, 10 million pounds." I said, "I didn't want to have to do this, but we're kind of a big deal, you know. Top 100 podcast on Apple. Once ranked as highly as 18th, four national award nominations. How much now?" They said, 10 million. I said, <laughs> "I said, okay, we have to find another way around this." So what we'll do is Alex has created his own little cloisters, uh, and now. I'm going to ask you, Alex, to, to put on the crown. So this is one that I was uh, presented with. Yeah. I was very happy with the back of me. That was good. Thank you. Get ready. We need a bit of this, don't we? <laughs> Long live the king. <laughs> Super. Welcome to the team, Alex. Thank you. And you look great in that official KOA merch. Uh, that's the trucker cap, friends. Um, available now on the Kings of Anglia merch shop. Links in all our stuff. Get yourself involved. I'm sure we'll have some money off offers going towards the season. And with that, friends, shall we move towards the first game that Alex covered on Friday night? And I'm going to start with you, Stu. What do you make of it? 2-1, made in Edge United, at Needham Market. Uh, our photographer called me at halftime to tell me how bad it was. Um, which... <laughs> If you know photographers, they like a moan. Um, so that wasn't out of the ordinary. Uh, what did you make of it all, Stu? You text Alex in our group chat at half time to say, yeah. <laughs> please don't change your mind. They're not, it's not normally like this. Um, I think it's fair to say that this was a, an early preseason game with a, with a fair bit of understandable rust from several players that were coming back from injuries or making their first appearances in preseason. Um, Kieran McKenna said afterwards he'd worked them really hard in pre-season last week. Uh, hot conditions, probably a bit of tiredness going into it. And they were trying out a few things um, tactically, experimenting. So all of those factors kind of went into a, an unusually disjointed performance from Ipswich, particularly in that in that first half. They just didn't really ever seem to get much rhythm going. A few 
unforced errors against the Maidenhead side that are obviously a, a step up from, from Felix though the previous weekend, a National League side um, who were who were stubborn opposition in, in that first half particularly. Um, so, yeah, ultimately it's um, some minutes in the legs as, as, as managers always say at this time of year. Yeah, Rossi, they turned it around the second half. They got the win. Um, what did you what did you make of it from the, from the touchlines? Like one else has said, millets in the legs, pre-season in it. Um, step up of opposition, you know, mm-hmm. Maidenhead United. We had Felix Stowe before. This is a National League side, Maidenhead. Uh, and yeah, just good evening. Um, very hot evening, very hot. Um, I actually did have a brief appearance in the sweat press box just to say hello to Alex to introduce myself to him officially in person because we've spoke as I said on on camera but uh yeah I, I, I was fearing like oh if I'm up there and then someone else gets up there you know maybe the the weight of all of us could make it collapse but <laughs> thankfully it didn't um but no good evening you know packed out need a market um and just yeah good to see um a new goalkeeping kit as well um which is a better than the other one how many um, goalkeeping kits have they got Sometimes they get. I think they get free. Sometimes I think last year there was free, if I can remember. You're obsessed um, with goalkeeper kits, aren't you? You've posted a lot about them recently. I, no, this time of year I am, but when we get to October, November time, I don't really give a shit. Whatsoever, <laughs> but you know, because uh, I'm not that fussed about kits, really. You know, I'm just yeah. But I think this time of year it's just best, you know, to push out there, just publish everything, everything's, social everything. Everything's new, yeah. isn't it, and exciting. So there's there's, yeah. there's exciting elements to everything. Alex, when you when we um, unveiled you, as it were, on Twitter, uh, we got a lovely reaction to that. By the way, thank you for everyone who, who made Alex feel welcome. You described this job as one of the most exciting in football, um, and then sitting there on on Friday night. Were you thinking, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> um, I've seen worse games, is the best yeah. way to put it. Um, I've also seen better games. And I'd say probably of the, the town games I've seen, it probably goes somewhere towards the bottom. But then again, that Barnsley game we mentioned wasn't that much better. There were a lot of those in the, towards the end of the McCarthy era. Yeah. Um, what, going into the game, Alex, your first kind of game you, you covered, as it were, under our banner at least. Obviously, Jack Taylor. Um, first time to see him. Was it? Was there anything you were kind of like? Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him. I'm looking forward to seeing this. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Was it that kind of feeling? Yeah, there are a few different bits. I mean, one of the bits I talked to Stu about for the game was the formation because I was typing out the, the report and thinking it's a four-two-three-one that is kind of the default shape, but in mm. a lot of ways it isn't because there's so many different kind of things. I mean, one of the things they pointed out was that they warm up with a back three. And they have so many different kind of elements to it where, I mean, I know we'll get on to it, but kind of how different players move forward and back, mm. others kind of cut inside. Uh, and the shape kind of changes a lot. There's no real kind of set thing. In, in terms of kind of the individual players, I mean, it was the first time watching Connor Chapman, and obviously, you know, someone that I've watched out for a lot in, in League One, given mm. how many he's been bagging. And I think there was a bit of frustration, maybe capped off with... Uh, an early effort that he tried to take from about the halfway line, which Didn't he hit, hit the post or bar or something from. Yeah, he got yeah. Post it. it was quite. It was a good shot. In fairness to, I mean, you know, it takes some uh, cojones to take that on, even if it's in a pre-season game. I think that that was uh, took something to, to do that, and I think there were a few different kind of bits where I think frustration came out more than anything. You could just see there were players who knew what they wanted to do and the bodies weren't quite able to do it. But you can see a lot of kind of quality in, in individuals. There are a few that I was looking out for, Freddie Ladapo, obviously, as the kind of the striker at the moment with mm. uh, George Hurst not, well, we don't know what's going to happen there or whatever town are looking to do in that kind of position. So um, I think he was one, maybe aside from that first miss in the, the first few seconds, he started to wake up a little bit. And uh, I think you could just kind of see the cogs turning mentally as well as physically in that game. Hmm. Shall we? Shall we continue the theme with Freddie then, Stu? Because one of the, um, I guess, the, the, the narratives of preseason so far, such as they are, is that Freddie's already got three goals, absolutely on fire. Who said Town need a striker? Um, but yeah, he's 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 come back. We we spoke about it last week, didn't we? He said he sort of looks like he's come back fired up to to prove a point. Another goal here. Yes, it's only a friendly, but strikers. Like score goals, whatever they are, and also Marcus Harness, you've, you've highlighted again as, as someone who obviously scored on on Friday and has, has started this preseason well. Yeah, I think well, Freddie's got three goals in six 
in as he played 35 in the first game 45 so uh 80 minutes three goals um yeah like like you said it doesn't matter who they come against i think particularly for strikers they breed confidence especially for the position that freddie's in at the moment knowing that there is going to be at least one striker coming in to compete with him i think that will that will do his confidence the world of good um yeah i wanted to hi highlight marcus harness because i I felt a little mean kind of putting him in a couple of bits this summer where we've talked about if and when Ipswich trim their squad, which they'll have to do with players coming in. There's going to be one or two that that were kind of seen as bona fide first team players that maybe have to move on this summer. And I've kind of put Harness in there a couple of times um, as potential exits and, and felt a little bit harsh on that because he played either as a starter or off the bench in pretty much every game last year and played his part in, in that promotion. I just wondered whether he was one that the step up from League One to the Championship, um, whether he would be able to kind of make that step with the rest of the squad or, or not. But um, he's looked sharp in the in the two games. I think he had a hand in at least three of the goals at Felixstowe um, the previous weekend and uh, he came on, took it, took his goal really well and I thought he looked quite sharp in this one as well. So perhaps a bit like Freddie, he's another one with a, a little point to prove going into this season. Mm. And then the other thing, Alex has touched there on, on the formation and we know that McKenna's sides are famously flexible and, and like water, as Bruce Lee used to say. Uh, and one of the things that we've seen so far in pre-season is, is Leif Davis um, moving inside, playing in midfield. Is it fair to say? How would you describe that? Yeah, it's a bit like the the Pep Guardiola philosophy of the fullbacks kind of coming in narrow and playing in midfield. And Liverpool have obviously tried to do it with with Alexander Arnold as well. Um, so it's very much in vogue at the moment to try and use your fullbacks in that slightly different way. And I think that's just McKenna having a having a look at that. We know the kind of setup from last season as the the base shape, as Alex says, of four two three one. But Burns on the right would play very high. The left sider. Um, Broadhead, obviously, in the latter stages of the season, would would tuck inside, and Davis would would cover the entirety of that that left side, mm. and the whole the whole system would kind of uh, shift and flex a little bit. Um, this time, it's Davis sort of being given a lot more freedom. It was noticeable uh, in the Felix Go game, but even more so in this one, that he would be making these darts inside. There was one where he made a sort of a a diagonal dart where he ended up almost becoming centre forward at one stage. So he'd, he'd been given freedom to roam a little bit, which obviously means the player in front of him, who was Kyle Edwards um, in the second half of this game, I think I think those two were paired together against Felix though as well, actually, mm. in their half. He then has to obviously stay that little bit wider and not, not drop inside a little bit. There was a couple of other sort of moving elements to it. We were we were fortunate enough to kind of be in the press box just behind where Kieran McKenna and the, the dugouts were. So you could hear some of his instructions. And it was notable that he was telling Cameron Humphreys in the first half to um to get forward when when we're in our building phase of play, join the number 10, join the number 10. So one of those two holding midfielders is being encouraged to then, as Davis comes inside into that central area, then obviously the the where he's coming into, someone has to vacate that space. It was Cameron Humphreys in the first half. I think that was Jack Taylor. And this is where, when we heard McKenna talk about what role he sees for Jack Taylor and him talking about being a box-to-box -box player and McKenna saying that he wants Taylor to be used in a more advanced role, I think he'll start as one of those two sitters, but, mm. but regularly get forward. Um, and that's where there's a bit of a hole for Davis to sort of move into a little bit as well. So... Um, yeah, it was interesting. It was clear that it's something that they're kind of working on and in the early days on, and I'm sure they'll work on it a lot more in, in Austria this week. Whether it's something they're still doing come come the big kickoff um, remains to be seen. Mm. Stuart touched on it there, obviously. Jack Taylor, obviously, one of the big the big stories around Friday. First time we got to see him in uh, in blue and white. What, what do we make of him? Again, all the usual caveats, pre-season game, minutes in the legs, all that kind of stuff. What, what, what were your first impressions of him? He's taller than I thought. Um, <laughs> yes, you know, I just I remember seeing him warm up, um, you know, at half time, and I was just like, "Oh, he's taller." That's the kind um, of insight you can't get anywhere else, boys. There we go, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. There we go. There we go. Um, but no, I like the look of him. You know, as you said, it is pre-season, so you can't look too much into it. But uh, mm. you know, he was 
you know, like all the players, still a bit rusty, you know, blowing off the cobwebs and all that. Um, but he ran about a lot, which is always good to see. Um, this is his first run out because, of course, he would, you know, wouldn't have played the Felix the game. Of course, he was part of the Ireland, weren't he? Um, um, squad for their qualifiers. Um, but now it's good to for him to get a run out before going off to Austria. Um, mm. it looks like he knows a lot of the players already, like he was, you know, laughing and you know, chatting with his teammates early doors, which is good to see. Um, but yeah. I'm looking forward to him really stepping up now and um, he's definitely going to be a player that I'm, I'm going to be excited to watch. So, uh, yeah, look forward to it. He looks like a footballer, doesn't he? Yeah, haircut got tattoos. Haircut tattoo, exactly. Uh, Alex, one of the other things we've seen in pre-season so far is Dominic Ball, um, midfielder by trade, but he's been playing at the back. Now, we know Town are in the market for centre-back this uh, this off-season. Um, what, what did you make of Dominic Ball playing at, playing at the back? He's a big lad, isn't he? He's got the kind of physicality you'd imagine for it. Yeah, I mean, you can see that he's done it before, hasn't he? He's, he's had a few games there, even if it isn't kind of his natural position. And I was kind of wondering what, what kind of motivates the, the reason. I think maybe you know, it's been spoken about before that Town have so many midfield options. Maybe he was one that's kind of mentioned as could be cut, could be kind of moved on with, with the size of the squad. Mm. But maybe there is that flexibility there to kind of keep him around if he, he has the versatility to come and play at centre-back. And, you know, he can, he can cover that positions where... A lot of the players haven't necessarily had the championship experience. You know, Town are obviously looking for extra recruits in those areas, extra experience. But I think he's shown that he's capable of doing it. I mean, again, it's kind of, you know, it's early days. It's not necessarily the hardest game. And I think it's definitely one that McKenna will want to play around with quite a bit because there is a lot you can do with that, um, especially when you can kind of have the versatility, as I've said, with the, with the formation, for example. When you go into the three... Can you move him a little bit higher if he goes through the middle as things shift a little bit? Can he go forward into midfield when you're in possession? Can he kind of offer a little bit of something else? But, I mean, overall, he does have all the elements that he'd need to be uh, a centre-back in terms of the physicality and in terms of the height and in mm. terms of kind of his defensive skills, his marking, his physicality in the box in terms of set pieces. That was one thing that Town looked really good with, that I thought, across both halves is that when it came to set pieces, they regularly threatened in front of goal and they didn't really give Maidenhead too much of a sniff either. Um, just going on, on back to um, recruiting a centre-half, I know because we've had this chat off screen, as it were, uh, and you've seen him play last season. Craig Cathcart is a guy that Tan have been linked with, um, Alex, and you were saying you like the look of him. You think that would be a, a good bit of business if indeed it does come off? Yeah, I think that at the end of the day, as I said, you've, you've got those kind of three defenders there who have shown what they're capable of at League One level. The step up, you know, they're going to get the chance to do it, but, mm. you know, it's always going to be a risk. It's always the risk with any newly promoted side. Some players can hack it. Some players might find it a little bit harder. And I think that if you've got someone that has that experience at such a vast level, it's not necessarily someone who's always going to be required to come in and play 46 games. But if you can have someone there that can kind of just give a little bit more of an experience, a little bit more of a, well, this is the position that we're in, even if it's off the bench, even if he's he's someone that's in the dressing room as a character, it, I think it just gives Town a little bit of an extra kind of dimension with the group that they've got. And I'm sure that, you know, there could be other targets out there. But I think the experience is just the biggest factor in that. And I mean, even as was said on the pod, he's someone that has still played regularly at his age. I think he's been an international recently. I can't remember if he still is at the moment. But um, I think it all points towards a really kind of sensible move for a newly promoted team. Hmm. And Stuart, I don't know if you've got any other notes from the game, but um, you obviously then spoke to Kieran after the game and he gave you a little update on transfer stuff, um, including the futures of, of Panucci Kamara, Elkan Baggett and uh, Joe Piggott. Yeah, just on the, the Dominic Ball thing, in that first half, I said in the second half, Davis was the one sort of coming into midfield, which allowed Taylor to, to push on. In that first half, Greg Lee is more of a, I would say, a traditional left back compared to Leif Davis. Mm. Um, and it was more Dominic Ball that was the one being asked to obviously someone who is really a midfielder who was then being urged by McKenna to kind of take what space he allows you if the striker's stepping off you then step step out into that midfield and vacate that space left by Humphreys so um, yeah they're working on a few different things there but we're talking about the midfield options Sam Morsey didn't feature in this game and that was just through choice McKenna wanted to he just said afterwards that 
I just wanted to look at four different players. He had Taylor, Luongo, Evans and Humphreys in midfield. No Sam Morsi. So if and when Ipswich sign a centre-back, which they will, then that, that changes the dynamic a little bit for Don Ball. But I still think he'll be worth keeping around for me because of his experience, because of his leadership. He's someone that was a regular for QPR over three seasons in the Championship before he came to Ipswich. And we never got to see it last year because of injuries. But I think when the pitches start to get a bit heavy, come the winter time, um, Dominic Ball might be the one for those sort of Saturday, Tuesday night slogs through the winter where you need to roll your sleeves up and get stuck in. I think uh, um, he could be valuable for that period of the season. But um, no, going back to your original question after the game, um, mentioned why Morsi wasn't available. He just wasn't picked through choice, but he was there. Um, the others, uh, Baggett, Kamara, uh, both played against Felix Stowe. Um, Kamara had done well in that Felix Stowe game, yeah. got the sixth goal in, in that <clears> match. <throat> but I did say afterwards, I still didn't. I know there was a few people then going, oh, he could be a bit of a dark horse this season. Um, <laughs> was it, sorry. Um, yeah, I didn't actually put two and two together that you said that. But yeah, that was that was a general assumption, I think, that he might he might come into it. But just with that midfield traffic and, and the injuries he'd had last year, my... My gut feeling was it, it would be alone this year, and uh, and that's what Kieran McKenna's confirmed. Same, same with Elkan Baggett. We've already heard that from the manager the previous weekend that he'll be going out to get some more games on loan. And um, Joe Piggott, no great surprise here, but um, yeah, the club are in talks with him about his future, which I think is a diplomatic way of putting their mm. uh, their in negotiations about that. Uh, uh, contract terminated by mutual consent type situation as Rakeem Harper. Yeah, he's on his way to mutual consent, I see, isn't he? Rossi, I cursed uh, Panuche, um by discussing a nickname for him on Twitter uh, without actually giving him one and suggesting that he could be this season's recipient of the Aaron Drynan Surprise Package Award. And then immediately, McKenna sees that, so he's got to go out on loan, got to get rid of him. Um, what, what do you make of, of sending Kamara out on loan, Ross? Because I know you were particularly impressed with him at Felix Day. You said he was your standout player from that first game. Once again, opposition in mind, because <laughs> it was Felix Doe. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it was just good to see him in the flesh, because last time I saw him play was for the under-23s, because he had, you know, three surgeries and... Um, he yeah, played for the under-23s and it was just good to see him in the you know in, in action for the first time in a long time. And at Felix Doe um, last week, um, it was just good to see him. Just he, a smile on his face, scored his goal. Um, and yeah, I agree with Stu. I think even though I was like, maybe keep him around, it'd be an option. But we've got so many options as we have already spoke about midfielders. So maybe a good league one loan could do him the world of good. Or you never know, bottom half championship. Although, could we be a bottom half championship team? You just never know. You just never know going into this season. Um, would Plymouth want him back for an hour loan spell? That could be an ideal place for him to go. Um, but no, I think players like him who've had injuries, setbacks, sometimes go out on loan, get minutes. He's going to hopefully be a starter for that loan club. Mm. Um, hopefully we'll make sure we get a, a perfect loan deal for him because you don't want him to go out on loan. Like Rakeem Harper doesn't play. And he's just had a whole season of not playing, and he comes back. You know, like, okay, he's got one year left on his deal. You know, will it? Will it? Well, has he got one year left on his deal? We'll get onto that another time. But yeah, alone will be good for Kamara. Hmm. I think Super Pan was the uh, the consensus on Twitter as a nickname for him. But uh, we'll see. Uh, and just finally, then from Friday night, Alex, you got to speak to a player for the first time as well. You spoke to Luke Wolfenden after the game, uh, and I quite like what you're saying to you about um, we don't just want to survive in the championship; we want to thrive. And Luton have shown that, you know, it can be done, as it were. Uh, what was the actual quote? They worked their bollocks off, um, that kind of stuff. So what, what were your impressions of Luke and what he said after the game? Yeah, I was getting kind of, uh, I don't know whether he was familiar with Andy's work, the ADT, because the first thing he said to me was, are you going to be the one doing the player ratings now? There <laughs> <laughs> we go. This is, this, is the, this is the thing that we always get, isn't it, boys? Uh, you know, the, the player ratings are the thing that get brought up the most. And I guess that, if I had someone marking my work every time I I clocked on, that's probably something I'd be pretty interested in as well. So yes, Alex, you probably will be the one doing the player ratings. Did he have anything to say about that? Um, I asked him whether he was going to ping around some player WhatsApp groups, or whether they just like go showing around the dressing room after the games. And he, yeah. he said not, but I mean, you can you can never necessarily be sure. But I think he was <laughs> he was a great character to kind yeah. of be the first one to talk to. You know, someone that has such a strong affinity with this club and has kind of 
been involved over so such a long yeah. time. I think the one thing that stuck out to me the most was when I asked him, look, at the end of the day, this is a club that has been through some kind of tough times since relegation. They, you know, this is a club that, for so in so many aspects, don't deserve to be a League One football club. Mm-hmm. Does that give you extra kind of excitement going into the season? The first thing he said was, oh, it, it just means that we have to deliver for the fans. They've been through so much and stuck with the club yeah. in so, so many dark times. I mean, even after the takeover happened, he highlighted this. He said, even after the, the takeover happened, you know, there was such an expectation for us to kick on immediately. And it just didn't really happen. It took such a long time. And now this is the point where there's so much kind of positivity around the club that there has to now be a point where they deliver. I don't think anyone's going to kind of expect town to, you know, bag a top two finish or even necessarily a top six finish. But I think that, as he said, there is an expectation now for for this club to be competitive at this level. And it's something that, you know, again, as he highlighted, they haven't really necessarily done even when they were in the championship, mm. aside from that kind of one season in the playoffs. And this is maybe a really exciting time in that sense. And I think that he's someone that can feel it. I think the whole squad can feel it, to be honest. It's a really exciting place to be. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Stewie, speaking of exciting things, sexy stuff. We'd normally start with sexy stuff, but obviously we had the crowning of uh, Alexander the First. Uh, and then a game to talk about. Um, but uh, Town have made a signing as well. Okay, it's not a very exciting signing in the grand scheme of things, but it's a signing. Um, and he was there on Friday night. Kier, Kier, is it Kieran Slicker? Is that how you pronounce it? It's Kieran Slicker, yeah. yeah. Goalkeeper, which wasn't <clears throat> the top of everybody's priority list when they were looking at areas to strengthen. But this is a bit of a tactical one, really. We talked, I think, in the last pod or the one prior to that about the 25-man squad rule. In the championship, it was a 22-man squad in League One. So when you first look at it, you think, oh, great, three more players to play with. But in the championship, you have to register goalkeepers. And uh, also under-21 loan players also count as well. So if they were to sign Raksaki, for example, you'd have Mm. to register him. So it's actually a little bit more restrictive this time around. And registering three senior goalkeepers feels like a bit of a a waste of a squad place. Nick Hayes... um, I think this catches some people by surprise. He's 24 now, even though he's not made his senior sort of football league debut yet. He's 24 years of age. So um, having him take up one of those 25-man places um, felt a little bit unnecessary. So they've brought in Kieran Sticker sort of twofold, really. One one to not have to sort of take up one of those spots. I think Nick Hayes will, will go out on loan now. And two, it's kind of... Um, a sign that the club is is looking and planning to the future as well. He's obviously someone that they've they've watched for a little while, judging by Rene Gilmartin's comments, someone that has been highly thought of enough at Manchester City to be on their bench for Premier League and Champions League games. Okay, he never played for them, but he'd been there from a very young age. Um, he's a Scotland under-21 international, so he's obviously someone they think they can develop over over a period of time. So... Yes, Kieran Slicker, second man in through the door. I went on mute there because Benson just busted. You can probably hear him now. <clears throat> He's very excited about Slicker signing. It did. It did mean we could use the term "city slicker," which I don't know if that means anything to anyone. But there was once a film about that many, many years ago. Actually, Alex, thinking about this, uh, I, I just realised I've got to ask you a really key question at the uh, the interview. So we did the interview at the spiritual home of uh, of the KOA posse, which is. Timmy Hortons on the outskirts of Ipswich. You rocked up wearing a hoodie, which I was immediately like, this is the sort of guy we need. Um, and then I've just realised I didn't ask you. The key upgrade I was looking for is, have you seen Back to the Future? I have seen Back to the Future. Yes, get in already. He's streets ahead of Hutchie. Hutchie nonsensically had not seen Back to the Future. In fact, that was made like about 100 years before you were alive, Alex. So to see that you've got the, you've got the commitment to go back and watch it, yeah, shows shows exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, it's a classic film. You can't bypass. You, you know, it's one of those things where you, you always have a set list of classic films that you have to watch, even for someone that's uh, talking my language. First now. century birth and can sometimes feel too young and out of place when in these conversations. But yeah. you know, it's one of those where you have to go and watch it. Absolutely, and uh, I'm glad I've been able to provide an upgrade in that sense. <laughs> Are you listening, Hutchie? This is what we need. Classic films. The man goes and watches them. He doesn't say, well, I don't want to go and watch that. Anyway, uh, back to back to uh, City Slicker. So, keeper in the door. Idris El Mazzouni, since we last spoke, has gone out the door. Uh, Rossi. We can't. We expected him to 
to be departing on loan again. He's gone back to Leighton Orient, which I guess, all things being considered, makes sense. Yeah, perfect. You know, he knows the manager, he knows his teammates, stepping up to League One, which is every dream Premier player to step up another level, definitely from your, your, your parent club to send them out on loan to a higher higher league. And he's doing that. Um, hopefully he does well late in Orient. I think they're, they're looking to, to do well this year. So, yeah, perfect for him. And I think I think now we hopefully have a good, you know, recruitment department and everything like that who are trying to make sure to send these players out on loan to clubs they're going to play. And like, like Elkin Baggett, as we mentioned earlier, hopefully he gets a good league one club. Um, you know, last year he was at Cheltenham and Gillingham. Um, at Cheltenham, didn't really work out. I think he had a few injuries, but also Cheltenham were fighting relegation briefly um but yeah it's good that Idris now has got another loan club same loan club of course and um we'll, we'll sure we'll watch his his progress there and um I'm just gonna say well I'm sorry I know this is not supposed to be my job this is your job um uh, about Alex's age we it's a bit of an elephant in the room isn't it um I used to be the prospect but no more because Alex is younger than me so uh yeah, is it the right time? We need it, we that? need a new nick we need a new nickname don't we Rossi you can't yeah. really be the prospect when we've we've just signed Another prospect who who is younger than you by some three or four years, and yeah. by the way, Ross can also drive. No pressure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we we need nicknames uh, for Rossi. I don't. Have you got any thoughts yourself, Rossi? Is there anything you'd like to transition uh, into? Pick your own nickname. <laughs> That's not how it works. Maybe <laughs> no. the listeners. Absolutely. Think... If you've got if you've got some thoughts, um, by all means, get in touch with nicknames. Be nice. uh, just get, huh? <laughs> Be nice. we, need, we need we need a new nickname for Ross and we need a nickname for Alex, who I've been calling AJ so far. Um, and I'm also tempted to call The Kid. Uh, again, going back to my video playing gay days, video game playing Alex Kid, wasn't it? All the way back in the day on the Master System, which I'm sure, Alex, you've never heard of. Um, <laughs> or even the Mega Drive. Yeah, incredible. Um, Siri, let's, let's get back on track. El Mazzuni, back to Leighton Orient. He's going to obviously play a lot of games there, which is sensible. He's just won two awards. Uh, for them last season have been named in the team of the year. But he had been also linked with, with moves to the likes of Derby and stuff. So thoughts on that? I want to talk about Mega Drive games. Oh, mate. Go on, then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they remastered those recently, didn't they? For like You can, get, the, you can, you can, you get, can get them get all like on mini... like one disc. Yeah, yeah, which blows my mind. Yeah. Um, El Mazzuna, yeah, Derby. We, I ran a story a week or so ago. Derby, Wickham... And Charlton at all were the original three clubs to put in loan offers for him. Um, I think Derby was one that sort of turned the players' head at that time, understandably, with the crowds they get, size of the club, expectation that they'll be favourites, I would imagine, in League One next season. I think Ipswich had their reservations that he might not be a regular starter there. Obviously, the player would back himself for that to happen, but Ipswich wanted to be sort of uh, sure that that was the case. So you can structure these deals financially different for each club. Um, obviously, you can't guarantee that anyone's going to play, but you make sure there are financial penalties that if the player doesn't play, you pay more money for them as you go along. And I think in the end, Derby sort of decided that that financial package was was getting a bit too high. And then Leighton Orient, I think originally having thought that the, the deal might be out of their reach, came to the table and as you say it's um all things considered it makes sense to go back to somewhere that he knows and is and is loved mm. and uh think that he might be able to play in a little bit more of an advanced role for them next season which ultimately as well as he did in that sort of deeper role last season he started as a more attacking midfielder and I think that's ultimately where he wants to get back to as well so that that's ticked a box so yeah hopefully he can do well next season and um as I've said I haven't given up hope that he he still might have a future at Ipswich. Mm. And just one final bit of sexy stuff before we move on to the Austria trip, which obviously is where the, the players are at the moment. Ellis Sims, we know a, a striker that Town were interested in. They won't be getting him because he's gone to Coventry City, Stu, for a deal worth up to eight million, which um, that's some serious bunts for a striker who's, who's kind of had one good half season. Yes, it is. Um, thorny subject as to whether we're talking about Ipswich Town missing out on a target. I think look, ultimately they have because mm. he was a player of significant interest to them. I can't hand on heart say I know for certain whether a bid was uh, rejected or not. Um, as I said at the time of, of when we first spoke about this, I think 
those within Ipswich will, will tell you no, there wasn't there wasn't a bid. It was only at an inquiry stage, and uh, but those from the Everton end are, are adamant that it was a four million pound bid rejected um, from Ipswich. Maybe Ipswich underestimated the amount of money that other Championship clubs would have to spend. Obviously, that kind of um, Mexican standoff worked in the Jack Taylor side of things where it's who blinks first and Peterborough in the end blinked. They sort of called their bluff and said, we're out, we'll move on, we'll look at someone else. And they came back to the table. And in this scenario, it hasn't played out because Coventry obviously got some uh, serious money for Jokeres going mm. to... Has that happened? Did he go to Sporting Lisbon for £20 million? I just Not check yet, that. But... I think that's in, in the offing still, isn't it? But they're, they're going to get some big money for him. And um, they've 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 spent it on Ellis Sims. We don't know. Obviously, the headline figure is up to eight million. How much of that is up front? How much of that is um, is based on appearances and goals and promotion and things like that? I don't know. But that that seems like a fair chunk of money for someone that um, really is only sort of proven at Championship level over over six month period at the start of last season. So. Um, I think most Ipswich fans, judging by social media, are, are sort of comfortable that. Um, Ipswich drew the line there financially and uh, now they move on to some other targets. Rossi, we know from Mark Ashton, he says that the, the big danger of being in the Championship is you get too emotionally led uh, and start spending money you haven't really got or it's not justified. Um, and, and my kind of reaction upon seeing Ellis Sims go to Coventry for £8 million is if they want to spend £8 million on him, crack on sort of thing. Um, but you got any thoughts on that in terms of we know town have got money, but they've still got to be sensible in how they they spend it and whether or not eight million could be justified for a player like Ellis Sims. Yeah, that's a lot, a lot of money, and that would mm. break our transfer record. Almost know, double it, wouldn't record. it? Yeah, pretty much. I think it's four point something million for Sweeney. Yeah. yeah, for the for the goalie, the Italian goalie. Um, I know striker and championship level. You know, we are going to have to spend a bit of money if we want to. Um, sign a striker who's going to score us the goals in the championship. Although, do we have one at the building already with Freddie Ladapo? Conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, eight million for a striker who, you know, scored a few goals for Sunderland last year in the championship. You know, he's signed from a Premier League club, but for me, that's just no. For the first season back in the championship, that's just silly money. And I think mm. Ashton and Co are smarter than that. Um, so I'm pleased that we didn't go down that road. Um, but I'm sure we are going to still spend some money. But um, eight million, we may sign four players, eight million combined. So um, well done for not jumping the gun and trying to sign a player. That's a target, I'm sure, of ours. But um, yeah, I'm pleased we didn't sign him at eight million because you get injured and then you're like, you're buggered, aren't you? You're like, oh God, he's <laughs> got eight million power striker in the injury bed and he's out for three months. So yeah, happy days. Injury uh, right. bed. I injury like bed to you one. Get yourself <laughs> tucked up in that lid injury bed until you <laughs> yeah. feel better. I'd like McKenna to start using that going forward. Uh, yeah. Sorry, uh, Don Ball's in the injury bed for a few weeks. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a single bed at the training ground. He has to stay yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Right then. Um, any more Any more for any more on the subject of sexy stuff? Because I want to move on to something equally sexy, mm. uh, which is the, the trip to Austria, which is where the boys are at the moment. You know, Hutchie's out there. Very exciting. Um, but the, they put out, and obviously Town are now doing a lot of, it seems to me they're doing a lot more video content around everything they do. They seem to be showing clips of the, the players yesterday, for example, getting on or getting off a bus to get onto a plane, as Dan said, getting off the plane on the tarmac in Austria. Um, and There's quite a lot to take away from a 30-second video. The, the main thing for me and a lot of fans was this, which is Freddie Ladapo getting off the bus in some quite frankly rascal shoes um which i immediately googled to see what they were and uh, it turns out they're they're yeezys adidas yeezys um 280 quid a pair money well spent rossi i know obviously you're a disciple of, uh, of adidas as the americans say would you would you rock a pair of uh, those yeezys they look like having basically putting your foot in a cloud yeah I'm I'm not really a fashion icon, really. So I don't think I could, you know. <laughs> Even though I'm a, I'm a young I'm a young young lad, um, and I should be up with the fashion these yeah. days. But 
I don't have that sort of money, to be fair. If you can speak to the higher-ups at Newscrest and yourself, you know, to give you some more money, then fair enough. I could buy that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah. Do you, think, do you think we need to buy a pair now just to walk, literally just... walk in Freddie's shoes and do a bit do a bit about it? <laughs> yeah, I think you can pull it off, to be fair. He's a footballer and all that. For me, yeah. no. just Like Crocs. I, I wore some Crocs in Italy and I was like, Sasha, you know, my girlfriend, she's like, they don't see you. Take them off. Just take them off. Um, I mean, yeah. that's what these basically are. They're like a much it's more expensive crop. version of, of Crocs with a, yeah. a little bit more kind of cred attached to them. Alex, uh, as the youngest member of the side, of the team, the side, whatever, we know uh, Rossi's just said he's not a fashion icon, which uh, I think is probably a, a true word. W- would you would you put your feet into these £280 Yeezys? Can I claim them on expenses? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's like an experiment. <laughs> I was thinking maybe we could do that. Um I like the idea I could have a bit more height. As someone who stands at about five six, five seven, that might just kind of give me a little bit of a boost. Yeah. There's quite like a wedge underneath them, I feel. Like. They look, yeah. When, when you're, uh... Yeah, if you're like interviewing Luke Wolfen, who's quite tall, and you don't have to be like, oh, it'd be quite <laughs> nice. I feel like someone like Freddie Ladapo doesn't really need that extra height boost. I feel like I could potentially be uh, someone that would benefit a little bit more from the whether I would wear those necessarily. I mean, I don't know. You, you were you were someone who saw my fashion sense and picked up on the hoodie from the interview. So mm. I'll, I'll leave it up to others to judge as to whether that would work, but not not personally. Get yourself some Cuban heels, mate, if you want a bit of height. Yeah, uh, that, that might be the route to go down. <laughs> I can uh, just imagine trying to coordinate that with everything else I'm trying to wear. Stewie, what did you make uh, a fellow veteran? As it were, of this of this side now, you're the you're the, uh, the, the the veteran leader, shall we say, of this side. Um, would you would you rock a pair of Yeezys in the same way that Freddie's got them? No, absolutely <laughs> it's nonsense, isn't it? Is, are they just having a laugh when they the little sort of PR to the the design team when they do that? They're just it's hard like to describe. Say, it's rocks. If you went into like some sort of pound shop and found some the ugliest plastic shoes that you could find and yeah. then just go, let's put a cool name on these and sell yeah. them for 300 quid. Yeah. You can buy them. What's going yeah. on? <laughs> Never have you sounded more like a dad than you just did. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you can actually get some very similar things for about a tenner. Um, but obviously I'm assuming Freddie's got the uh, the proper Yeezys. And uh, listening to the show, Callie says they are the most comfortable shoe you'll ever wear. He's got about a billion pairs of them. Um, he shared a picture with us. Oh, he's got too much money then. He has, yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing I took away from the uh, the video was this, which is, um, I think he's fast becoming one of my favourite town players, and it's for things like this. Oh, got my camera out already. That's, uh, if, you're, if you're only listening, that's that's Luke Wolfenden uh, mocking the town cameraman, um, obviously picking up, as a lot of the players have. They seem to be filmed doing everything now. Um, so, yeah. I like I like Luke. I think he's going to be good value for in this new this new age of everything being filmed. Rossi, he's 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 a sort of character that may come to the fore. Yeah, I think we've always known Wolfie. He's been a character with his just his laid back personality. But there's been there's been clips everywhere really of him just even when there's one clip in the dressing room where he just he just randomly said I've got what he says now. He just says something just ridiculous. So he's like everyone just yeah, it was great. It was great. Because just out of nowhere. Um, but that's just the current age in it. You've got to film everything, even us to an extent, I think. Yeah. In the, in the early days of my job, yeah. I remember I had to basically, just, I just filmed Stu and Andy doing everything. Even when we're <laughs> in the office, back in the office days, it's like, okay, we've got to film this, got to film that. But I think we've learned, like, actually, we don't need to film everything. Bross, I'm going to the toilet. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> you filmed us walking out the airport in Germany, I seem yeah. to remember. I think that was good. Something along I those like that. Lines. And yeah. speaking of, I mean, speaking of all that, obviously, Town in Austria, you boys are hopefully heading out there on Saturday. Some some issues here with the, with a book in the early early going, but Stu, um, heading out to Austria, exciting. We need some behind the scenes stuff. We need to we need to justify the vast expense of getting you out there. So I'm afraid to tell you that Ross will be filming you doing everything. You're just going to put strap a GoPro to all of our heads, to your forehead, yeah, twenty four hour new vision live streaming available to subscribers. <laughs> I don't think it will be very exciting. Um, <laughs> yeah, plan is we're going to leave uh, very early. I'm worried about Ross meeting us at the at the pickup time. Uh, early flight Saturday, cover the game just outside of Vienna, hmm. and we'll be back on Sunday. 
So they're playing a behind closed door game, aren't they? Uh, Saturday morning. Yep. And then can't go to that. We can't go to that, obviously. Uh, and then there's another game in the afternoon, which we can go to, and, and we we will be there. Um, first time they've been abroad, Siri, since since COVID. Nice to get, obviously. McKenna's wanted to go here for a little while, hasn't he? Is he is he gone there with United before? Is that the kind of yeah the Manchester link? United youth teams? I think he's been out there at least once or twice with them. There's some if you have a look, there's some MUTV footage of the, what that trip looked like before they go off on cable cars up into the into the Alps and a bit of uh, open air swimming and stuff like that. Um, but obviously, primarily, it's going to be a, a, a hard work on the training pitch throughout the week. I think the weather's due to be quite hot over there. Um, and they'll round it off with a couple of games on the Saturday. I assume maybe a different team in each in each of those games. Hmm. Um, so we'll wait and see which which team we get to see. And then they're going back at the end of the month for uh, what's it? Innsbruck Cup, where they're playing a couple of Bundesliga sides, which is obviously a bit of a step up in competition. Alex, so last season you spent covering Millwall. Um, this season you're with us. Your first game was at was at Niedermarket on Friday night. Your second game will be in Austria. That's how we roll. Yeah, I didn't really expect that, like, coming into the first seconds of this job, that I'd be flown out to the other side of Europe, which, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not here to complain. That's fantastic. I mean, seeing some of the pre-season games I had last year with the, the sites of, I don't know, Dartford, <laughs> used to going to places like Gillingham, you know, no disrespect to them, but uh, I feel, I don't know if anyone else has had a look at this stadium over in Innsbruck, for example. And the view you get of the mountains in the background, obviously, mm. absolutely. It's a, it's a little bit different to, uh, I think, what we're all used to over here. But I think that second, the second tour is the one that I think a lot of fans will probably be licking their lips at a little bit. I think that's that's the one that, uh, you know, the Leipzigs and the Werder Bremens, you know, teams that we've seen play on the Champions League and all that kind of stuff. So I think that that's probably the one where, where fans are interesting to see how towns shape up against them. But I think, you know, getting a couple of trips in, I feel like overall the pre-season schedule kind of, it looks quite nice this year. It's well balanced. There's quite a lot in there. Mm. Uh, week trips to Preston and all that. Um, but, uh, I, I, I like the uh, the structure that they've got. And uh, I think definitely getting us out to Austria this weekend is going to be uh, quite an interesting one. I still think the Preston thing might be a joke. At some point they'll put something out going, <laughs> joking, got you. <laughs> <laughs> as we pull up at deep down yeah. Just... yeah sorry oh you came did you i can't believe it <laughs> um, she just facetimes us and says exactly uh, yeah. Frank. exactly uh rossi it's a very early flight on on saturday morning what is it you need to be there at like 5 a.m or something ridiculous is it you i do yeah. share your concern about uh, ross uh, can you can you allay these concerns ross can you guarantee that you'll be on time and we know you go from being asleep to to like wide awake within not 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 one milliseconds. So you've got that in your locker, but you, you do need to get up pretty bloody early. To be fair, for when I went to Naples, we had an early flight, and I got up, got the um, National Express coach, did the you know security, had breakfast, got on the plane, had a good week in Naples, job done. <laughs> so. You. <laughs> that concern shouldn't be a worry for Alex or Stu. Um, so Take it to the airport, though. Is Liam from Krug going to have to get up at 4am to come and get you? <laughs> I'll, I'll pick him up. Don't <laughs> worry. Exactly. He's got, he's got, we've, planned, we've planned it. Um, Excellent. But, but no, it's, it's going to be good. Um, they speak German, don't they? Austrians, do they? I was looking. Yeah, so Guten Tag and all that. Oh, bilingual. <laughs> yeah. Please say that the minute we step off the plane. Guten Tag and all that. Yeah. Guten Tag, Yeah. Can I have a strudel, please? Uh, <laughs> right then. Um, one more thing we need to talk about this week, friends. And that is, um, we, we spoke about it recently, but our, one of our sponsors, Manscaped, you can see I'm, I'm proudly wearing the badge, getting the badge in. They've just launched a new beard trimmer. And uh, I thought, how, how can we help promote this other than obviously getting them and, and trying them out ourselves, although Ross is refusing to use it, which is uh, it's, it's great. Only Ross's barber touches his beard. So uh, we'll see how we get on with that. But I thought, well, there's been a lot of famous beard wearers at Ipswich Town in the past. And, and currently, clearly, we have maybe the most famous beard wearer at Ipswich Town is, um, well, apart from you, Ross, is, is Mark Ashton. And uh, Ross, you came across some pictures of, of, of Mark without a beard. 
sans beard. So I thought we could launch something linked in with the Manscaped Beard Hedger called No Beard Blues. Um, and these pictures are quite extraordinary. Uh, I'll just bring one of them up here. So obviously, if, if you are only listening, it, this is very much worth just subscribing just for this. Um, here's Mark Ashton without a beard. That, I mean, that obviously, he's younger there as well. But he, he looks there, Stu, to me, like um, a head teacher who just got an excellent Ofsted report. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a really good shout. Isn't it? Um, and I did, we did have some lookalikes, Ross, but they don't, they don't appear to be loaded into the system. So uh, you've forgotten about that, did you? Uh, yes. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> In that case, then, we'll go on to the next one of, of Ashton without a beard. Now here, he... Uh, he looks like an estate agent who maybe ju has just sold the ground behind him um, and he's looking forward to a huge commission. But also, Stu, you, you made a great shout. You said he looks like Jimmy Carr and he really does. Like from the kind of this bit and this bit, so take out the middle of his face there, is very much I think Jimmy it's the, Carr. The hair and the teeth there have got some Jimmy Carr vibes. You also called um... Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston, Malcolm in the mid middle, Brian Cranston, yeah. I would say specifically, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, there's there's definitely a similarity there. Um, it's fair to say, I think, Mr. Ashton suits a beard. Would you say Ross is a fellow beard wearer? Yeah, the, those pictures we've just seen um, doesn't do him justice. Um, he's he's now a handsome man with, with the beard. Um, and I feel that can, that can get you far sometimes in business. If you, you know, you, you groom well. <laughs> Um, and that's a how we've been able to sign players, yeah. But yeah, or just looking good, you know, wearing a suit, you know, wearing, wearing a good, you know, beard, or just making, you know, hair. And because for him, he's got, well, I don't grow here, which is annoying. I always get frustrated, it doesn't grow there, but he grows proper everywhere, yeah. Um, but yeah, he suits it. So, my ask if you listen to my friend, don't use any trimmers to, um, you know, to well, shave surely... off. You have to use a trimmer, don't you? Yeah, multiple. Yeah, yeah, to trimmer. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. Just never, never lose it. You know, if he goes grey, just go grey. You know, enjoy. <laughs> you're coming out. Some, you're coming out some great advice today, Rossi. Um, <laughs> it's really filling that wisdom hole that Hutchie's yeah, left absolutely, behind. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Rossi, obviously, is part of this feature. No beard blues. We are going to have to see a picture of you without your beard at some point. When was the last time you were clean shaven? <laughs> Well, as I said, I've only ever once done a clean shave based when I was like 17 or whenever it was. Um, and I regretted it straight away and I've never done it ever since. Um, of course, there's pictures of me when I was a teenager and stuff. And as a kid, I've not always had a beard. Of course, you know, when you're 14, you have a little moustache, don't you? A little, you know, bum fluff. But uh, yeah. The first, I'll, the I'll first find kid him. who could grow like facial hair in your year was like, it gave him an elevated status, didn't it? Even if, as yeah. you say, it was like a little wispy tash. Yeah. Um, Alex, again, you've upgraded because Hutchie famously couldn't grow a beard or indeed any facial hair. You are sporting what I describe as a sort of musketeer style look. Um, how are you maintaining that? Have you have you got your own kind of beard trimmer already? Yes, yes, I do. However, if uh, Ross is not going to be using his, I will happily sweep in and uh, pick up my own one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the uh, musketeer kind of description i feel like well i mean there are three of them so if anyone else fancies kind of joining in and seeing if they can copy in then uh, we can definitely have our three musketeers group here now that andy's gone so you, you went through a period of wearing a beard didn't you it was you look like a bit like um like a jason statham hard man sort of guy mm -hmm. um was that like a was that a roy Keane phase where you were just angry about things and you just started to grow a beard maybe <laughs> maybe upon reflection i'll have to look back at that period in my life i'm i'm not a, i can't really grow a great beard to be honest it's all a bit multicolored and patchy i'm getting i'm getting salt and pepper now boys um which the wife takes every every opportunity to remind me that i'm getting old right we just filled 10 minutes talking about beards um i think that's probably enough uh in that slot use the code koa at manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free delivery and obviously including this new excellent beard hedger beard trimmer thing which they've just launched which hopefully we'll get hands on shortly and we can give you a full review although not ironically from the man who has the biggest beard on the show because he refuses to use it there we go um any other business friends ross you want to talk about the the uh, the women's team didn't you because they were back in action pre-season wise and they've also a lot of lot of departures ross um kind of watching on 
as a bit of a neutral and not being embedded in that, there, there seems to be quite a lot of players leaving. Yeah, it's been busy. You know, their first week back on the grass. Um, my first day back, taking some pictures, it rained. So I was like, oh, here we go. Welcome to pre-season. Um, it's raining. It's supposed to be summer. Um, but yeah, they beat Sudbury 6-1 at Playford Road. Uh, good run out, just like the men team, really. 30-minute halves, penalty shoot out at the ends, blowing off the cobwebs, bit of rustiness. Um, but yeah, a good, good evening, good afternoon. Sorry, good afternoon down at Playford Road. Um, but yeah, there's been some departures. Uh, Sarah Quantrill, goalkeeper, um, she's stepping away from football. Uh, Manny Biggs has left as well, the forward. Um, she's gone on basically looking for more game time, basically. So she'll pop up somewhere, I'm sure. And um, we have made their first signing, though. Sexy stuff for the women's team as well. Maisie Barker has signed um, from West Ham. I'm a defender, fullback. Um, saw her in the flesh for the first time down at Playford Road. Um, but watch this space, I've been told. More signings in the door. So um, they're going to be busy this summer, even though we've got a lot of departures. Anna Gray, Abby Lafouette, Sarah Brazera Carrera have departed, but some more players coming through the door. So um, any town fans who are worried, don't be worried. Some signings will be in the door. So, uh, yeah, watch this space. What are the goals for, for this coming season for the, the Tractor Girls, Rossi? Because obviously they, they, um, they've been competitive up towards the top end of the league. The, the rules have changed, haven't they, in terms of how you get promoted and, and how many teams get promoted. So is it another season of, of, of trying to push for that promotion, would you say, or is it more of a consolidation thing? No, definitely. You know, it's been now three years in Tier 3, two years with, you know, definitely last year was the most disappointing year, you know, you know miss out on goal difference. But this year, yeah, if you win the title, you go up, you get promoted. So that is, I'm sure, going to be the goal. There's going to be some teams competing, of course. Portsmouth looking likely to be the, the main team. They're going full strong. I think they're, their main team, you know, the men's team are actually pushing a lot of money into the women's setup. So they're a team to look out for this year. But um, yeah, Joe Sheen's got um, a job on his hands once again to bring in those right players to replace the ones who are debating. Um, but yeah, should be another exciting season. Um, shout out to Matt Macon, who was donning a, a Kings of Anglia hat down at Playford Road on Sunday. So uh, nice. shout out to him. But um, it was actually a really good um, turnout, actually. You know, it was a you know training ground match, but um, fans were allowed to go and it was a, a good crowd. So um, good to see everyone watching on and, um, you know, the girls wearing the... The kit for the first time as well. Um, of course, they were part of the kit launch, which was mm. always good. Um, but yeah, just a good afternoon down against Sudbury, who uh, who've just been promoted himself. You know, a local team. Uh, yeah, six goals from town. Uh, Sophie Pescott was a standout performer for me. Um, her first preseason back properly after her ACL injury, which of course you will know Heafy very well indeed. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's going to be a hopefully another exciting season for the Tractor Girls. When do they kick off? Is it the same sort of time as the men, or is it it's slightly now, a little bit, a little bit later? So the, the fixtures aren't out yet. Of course, their right. preseason schedule is out there, but um, I think mid July is where the fixtures come out. So uh, okay. yeah, watch that space. All right, right then, friends. We've just gone over the hour, which is the uh, the golden amount of minutes for a podcast. Hopefully, agree it's been golden on the airwaves today. We've we've uh, coronated a new king and talked about a lot of exciting things. Stewie, Alex, any other business? Anything you want to mention, Stewie? No other business. Alex, how do you feel your uh, your first podcast has gone? If you were to rate yourself, I don't know how my Wi-Fi has managed to hold up through all this. I feel like it's <laughs> cutting out throughout most of the last hour, so I hope it's come out okay. But I hope that my performance has been slightly better than the internet connection in this house. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I'm, I've been coronated on the on the podcast, and I, I, you know what? That's that's an experience I don't think many people can say that they that's get in their journalism careers. So. I think everything after that is just that. That was that's the main highlight. You know, that's going on the CV regardless. It's <laughs> the best thing you could ever ask for. Minutes in the legs on the on this podcast for for the new yeah. king, Alex Jones. Right then, friends, we'll take our leave. Then just easy, obviously to remind you to support our sponsors, Manscaped. I've already mentioned. Use the code KOA, Manscaped.com for twenty off and free delivery. And also Ginger Pickle, who I had a bit of a, a back and forth with Tony Southgate yesterday after I said that uh, I didn't like the colour orange on last week's show. He took that personally. I think ginger's different to orange, uh, Tony. I'm a, bit, I'm a big fan of ginger, obviously. Contractually obliged to say I like ginger. Uh, but yes, if you need help with your, your Google ads, your SEO, all that kind of stuff, um, Tony Southgate and the, and the people at Ginger Pickle are the ones to get involved in. And also, leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you can, because uh, it helps lift our visibility in the charts. Um, and it'd be good now to get some five-star reviews coming in with our, with our new king involved. Right then, friends, I hope your weekend ended well. I hope your week has started well. Um, and you have a great week from here on in. 
We will probably not be back, I think, probably um, this week because the boys are off to Austria at the weekend and hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about when we return next time. Have a great one. We'll speak to you again next time.